Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digital Grocer, our beautiful podcast episode. I think, Kevin, what is it? Is this episode eight? Yeah, this is episode eight. Eight. Seven is about to be, was just released. Just posted. Just posted, which is awesome and starting to get dark in uh, wonderful uh, downtown Toronto. It's, uh, it's a Thursday night. The neck creatures are about to come out. On King Street West here. On King West. Still yeah. no snow down here though, right? Well, so. you guys got a little bit this morning. Yeah. New Market got, got pounded last night. Well, I wouldn't say pounded. Oh, it got pounded. Yeah. It, like it, I was up at like uh, 11 p.m. last night, and it was like full-on flurries. Really? Yeah, but this morning, oh, I was it was all gone. gone. It was all melted. The yeah. old man here was in bed. Yeah. <laughs> you get a certain, you get a certain age, you know. You take a glass of warm milk, and then you're out. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what retail does to you. So I'm kind of you guys here, right? Like uh, we we've been asked to submit market. Is it a prediction for 2019? It is a prognostication. Ooh. As to the... That sounds religious. <laughs> well, in many respects, I'm, I'm sure our analysis of the retail industry yes, is religious. That would explain everything. Yeah, it's it's exciting to have to do that because I have a lot of respect for Winsight, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what they do, their magazine and their website is really... It's not embellished with a crazy amount of stories, but the stories that they do have really yeah. get down to the essence of what they're supposed to represent. So it's ultimately an honor to be selected to kind of do that absolutely and this is to be included in the december cover story for the publication oh awesome that's great yeah and i was kind of you know i was in, standing in front of my whiteboard mm-hmm. uh, or white i want to say white wall but it's not but you know it's kind of one of those walls i can write on and it was you know looking back some of the research we did trends that we see happening in the industry conversations you and i have the research that we do along with our clients yep. Yep. Uh, and a bunch of the r d stuff that we do and it's kind of like i feel you know with some of the recent announcements that have come out in the trades with respect to instacart raising that last round yep. and you know their their notion of, of an idea of doing an ipo and i would suspect you know the rumors are out in the space that the prospectus is being filed And part of me wonders if 2019 is going to be the year with these really mature retailers are going to kind of snap out of it and say, hey, you know what? I think we've made the decision. We're going to take charge of our digital strategy and probably more specifically around not just their digital strategy, but owning their cart and their digital commerce experience and bring together a plethora Mm-hmm. of various solution providers amalgamated under one solution or one platform that the retailer has control over. And then the retailer is going to say, okay, so now we have this. Now we're going to get into this idea of deep retail. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I think this, as you become more of a digital consumer and a digital retailer, the physical relationship is not constrained by the store, the brick and mortar. Right. If you don't have that connection in a digital environment, what's to retain that shopper from coming back? Right. That echoes a lot with Phil. Mm -hmm. What he said, right? Phil Lampert on the podcast is ultimately some of the retailers are just going to realize that they need to be more than just wholesalers to these ancillary parties. Correct. Right? If that makes sense. So I'm kind of excited for that. I'm also excited to attend grocery shop. They, you know, for an inaugural event, they, they've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. And I can appreciate this coming from just the, the event marketing perspective. They've done a fantastic job of building a strong following, uh, an excitement. They've done it with 
trade of flair. Yeah. And they've been consistently hitting the right market with the right message. Do we know how big that team is over there? Off the top of my head, no. I know there's some, there's at least a cadre of senior people that mm-hmm. uh, we've been dealing with. But I also know they have very strong media partnerships. Right. So uh, Winsight, which you mentioned off the top, yeah. has been one of their lead uh, media partners, outreach uh platforms right and i know they've also been working closely with industry dive right so they've got the market pretty well locked up locked up in terms of reach and communication but who's left in in events in this space here like honestly yeah there's well you got the publications that have events to sort of full you know fully complement the portfolio of offerings right ensemble iq has their path to purchase event so mark we're going to grocery shop this year that's right right Yep. And I'm excited because it's become one of these premier events. In a very short period of time, yeah. this is the inaugural event that they're holding. Came as an offshoot out of a grocery track. They had a shop talk, which mm-hmm. you know you and Tim attended. It was crazy. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And for this year, for us, it's one of the higher profile events that we'll be at. NRF is up uh, early January, which is the National Retail Federation. Yeah. Huge show. How many attendees? 30,000? 40,000? For NRF? Yes. Oh, no. Last year was over 100,000. Really? No way. Yeah. It's really odd. NRF is in its north of 100 years. It's, you know, being the National Retail Federation show. It used to be a a strong representation Mm -hmm. of the East Coast. But NRF, you know, the National Retail Federation show, has become one of these shows that has, in the last, call it 36 months, three years, predominantly attended from people outside of the United States. So I think it was five years ago, we did a, a speaking engagement. It was the first year, first full year Dave Conte had been with us. So in Dave's our CFO. Our CFO, right? Chief financial officer. In part of the whole process of Dave being with us, he wanted to attend. And we said, you know, if, if we're going to, we're going to have the CFO there, blah, blah, blah. And all those things. I had ended up with a speaking engagement. In an innovation track, you know, they have those speaking rooms in the back downstairs. Yes. So I ended up doing it. The subject was survival in digital retail mm-hmm. around engagement and a precursor to how you would tackle commerce. We ended up having standing room only. It was great because people were taking snapping pictures of their iPads, which is not something you normally <laughs> see, right? <laughs> like they're like holding up their iPads like crazy. You're mentioning yeah. that I was at a, in another life. Yeah. We had one of our directors of UX taking an iPad, walking around competitors' booths. Oh my god! <laughs> the show organizers are saying you cannot do that. You couldn't be any more obvious with a. Well, that's great. That's awesome. With, with, with an iPad Pro, mind you, <laughs> seven twelve inches, twelve inch camera. Oh my yes. god! Yeah, I can. So that was the exact case. So towards the end of the whole presentation, right, which is maybe forty five minutes, I I pulled the audience. Who's from outside North America? Hands went up. Mm-hmm. It was the majority of the room. And then I started naming countries. And I was like, it was flabbergasting. And so it is a testament. You will know how heavy attendance is at this show because the Sunday will be brutal because mm-hmm. they come in on the Friday or the Saturday. And then they vacate the Monday night on the Monday night or Tuesday night for the international flights home. It gets really eerily quiet <laughs> in the show. <laughs> Right. I was going to say to put that into perspective, uh, 
100,000 people. That's like the second biggest stadium on the planet, I think, is Michigan State Stadium. Yeah. No, no, not state. No? Michigan, Michigan U. Michigan U? So I've been so I've been to a couple of football games there. That, so it's called the Big House. Oh, okay. And so you tailgate outside and you mm-hmm. see these massive screens and you kind of see the wall of the stadium. And you're like, you have no sense of perspective of how big this thing is. And so when I went my last game, I had along the 40th uh, yard line. Right by, oh, that's the, good. Right by the cheerleaders in the band, uh, on the Michigan side, right, right. and it fits one hundred and ten thousand people. Insane. Oh, it's, it's insane! It's not the word. Thank God they don't allow drinking inside. And that's like the second biggest stadium on the planet. Uh, yes, the bigger one is the Acropolis. <laughs> I don't know if it's the Acropolis. <laughs> you have the handy Google. Uh, Run Grado May Day Stadium. Yeah, May Day Stadium. Yeah, I have no clue where in that North is. North Korea. <laughs> Oh my God! Of course, it's yeah, in North road Korea. Tri- road trips off the yeah. uh, off the planner there. I can't wait for them to do their own retail show. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Who's going to go? Well, apparently they're big in e-commerce. So NRF National yeah. Retail Federation. In February, we're attending the National Grocers Association event. Yeah. Just, Are we getting a speaking engagement yes, of that one? Yes. Just had a conversation with them today. Is it confirmed? Is our guest confirmed? You told me he was confirmed. Yeah, we just have to remind him. Okay. Big surprise coming. Big surprise. Stay oh. tuned. That'll be episode nine, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then shortly thereafter, we're yeah. you and Tim are back at Shop Talk. But yeah, but also we, we have the San Diego show for the... Uh, That's NGA. NGA. Oh, what was the... Are we not doing the FMI midwinter? We're still debating on about that. One. that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then Home Delivery World in uh, early April. In Philly. In Philly. And we're up on stage with Mr. Ladd. Correct. Britton Ladd, who was on, uh, I think, our first podcast. First three. First three. That's yeah. right. We did a series. Yeah. Uh, he is the chair of the grocery track event, and you have the keynote speaking position. Fantastic. When, when is Home Delivery World? I think it's April third three and four i'll have to go back and check on that. how much is that going to cost me <laughs> you're gonna have a yeah. lot of po's the process yeah no it's not that bad no that show no okay the vegas is the more expensive show for us right vegas in terms of um just our presence yeah because it is a bigger bigger show it's a bigger show. the home delivery world is a very it's a smaller audience niche niche mm-hmm. audience okay but yeah. it's a very specific topic and we have a very good talk track to present yeah i don't want to give anything away as far as upcoming announcements but it's going to be a very appropriate venue for us yeah. to participate in. in 2018 for us has been an interesting year right mark mm-hmm. like if you look back when we made the decision to come from transitioning from more from leader to authority in the space we started doing our own research research Correct. and research in conjunction with our clients so when we actually quote statistics so here's mm-hmm. a crazy statistic okay in the southern part of the United States, for consumers that shop three to six times online a month, mm-hmm. right, they are 41% more interested in in-store pickup versus delivery. Delivery kind of falls in at around the, tw- the almost, it's almost a two for one, falls in at not even, not even 20%. And, and- Knowing that, what do you conjecture as the reasons why? So here's the thing, mm-hmm. right? I think we retailers have swung this pendulum massively towards delivery because there's the notion of labor costs and so on because there's a fear of promoting your e-commerce. I mean, I mean, I, I could go on, but bottom line to me is it's strictly about convenience for consumers. 
personally for me it is more easier for me to pull up to the store to get the stuff put in my trunk of my car and then go versus having to rush home the fear of somebody not showing up the fear of stuff being left out on the porch all those things well what's fascinating to me mm-hmm. and you have a much much richer history in, in uh, retail uh, than I do help me understand the delivery component consumers right. weren't clamoring for store to door delivery no it was concocted it was tactic to actually compete against Amazon exactly right um, and now you have this this clamoring apparently mm-hmm. at least in the in the trade press right that we read and consume for right. for delivery correct uh, but the reality is that brick and mortar retailers have a strategic advantage because of the investment they have in the real estate that they now occupy. Correct. So you would think that grocery retailers to counter this desire for mm-hmm. uh, delivery would invest in the very thing that you just raised, yeah. the preference for yeah. in-store pickup. Yeah. So here's the harsh reality, right? Of kind of the history of, of online grocery e-commerce. So you know, Gen 1, we saw WebVan, mm-hmm. which would have been, you know, a solution looking for a problem in the early days. I'm not knocking the innovation or the people at WebVan, but the reality is, you know, innovations tend to follow the tide of consumer demand. As much as we'd like to think certain technology ignite consumer demands, the reality in certain spaces, that's not the reality, right? I can think of the evolution of the smartphone where mm-hmm. Apple kind of ignited it. That's maybe one of those, you know, small exceptions. So a web van shows up and, you know, it just does not end well. Then you have Gen 2, which is our friends over at My Web Grocer, who have recently kind of merged over with MI9 Retail. And I feel bad for those guys. Rich ran an amazing, Rich Taren ran an amazing company, did really well. But I mean, some of the stuff coming out in, in the press mm-hmm. is kind of, I feel bad for those employees, especially if you go to Glassdoor and you see some of the latest comments, like it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. These things do happen when businesses merge or are sold. It's the unfortunate reality. So the one thing my web did, they were stellar at curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. Whether we like it or not, that's what they did. Their technology lend itself really well to that. So there was this culture of really established across their retail footprint, right? So if you think of their original retail footprint, Price Chopper, Weiss Markets, ShopRite, Winco Foods, Savon in Canada. I mean, and that can go through the list, right? Ad nauseum. But the barrier to entry, there was twofold. <clears throat> it wasn't a technology issue. Mm-hmm. It was the notion of the cost of labor for a retailer and the fear of promoting the entire solution. Now, the ROI calculator that your team released Mm -hmm. completely dispels that whole thing because behind the scenes, it takes into account the cost of labor, the cost of equipment, yada, 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 all those great things. And there was this notion of a fee that you would charge the customers, okay? So my number one barrier would have been the cost of labor. The second one, Surprisingly enough, retailers didn't understand and still to a certain extent, I think that's being kind of dispelled today. Oh, we can't, we can't charge more. We can't charge a fee. We can't charge this. You and I know our research has proven from a price sensitivity perspective for the sake of convenience. 
consumers will pay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. And we see that from some of our delivery partners we have today and some that are not our delivery partners, they're capable of upcharging a 10, 12, 15% on a per product basis. And they randomize it based on what will give them the best return. So that's the second one, right? So suddenly along comes Gen 3, Gen 3.5, Mercatus falls into that, Rosie, and then the list goes on, right? The smaller players, the bigger players. And we come to the table with a bit of a different offering, wider expanse on the platform, the ability to integrate a bunch of different third parties, leverage the existing investments you've made in technology. But the reality remains that there's this fear around labor. And so simultaneously with this fear of labor exists the acquisition of Amazon buying Whole Foods, where suddenly (laughs) everyone thinks that everyone's going to have their food delivered through Whole Foods. Now, in Canada and Toronto, I use Grocery Gateway. It is, it's expensive. Not going to lie. And the product offering that's inside Longo's is not exactly aligned with what grocery a gateway has to offer mm-hmm, right that's the reality and on top of that not only am i paying a premium of in some cases for what i can tell three to eight percent i'm paying a delivery fee at a highest nine dollars and 99 cents and it's frustrating because the time slot's not always available so now everyone wants to counter amazon and so now you have everyone feeding off the fear that it's same day delivery. So we have some of our smaller regional retailers that we have worked with, are working with, and I've never worked with, but we're part of their journey. We have conversations with them, we help them with research. We've seen in certain markets, the growth of delivery, 18% period over period. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it makes sense in some cases. But the notion of same day, that's a myth from our conversations from our research right. it is typically two to three days and just so the audience right? knows this is research that we have conducted with the blessing of our retail partners to reach yeah. out to their their shoppers it's it's like a million households absolutely easily yeah. a million yeah. households participate yeah. in this right and is statistically rep- representative and it's conducted by people that are uh, scientifically adept in this space right so it's not just us throwing some sort of survey up on some whiz bang website and let's let's hope we get some results right that's not the case so we get these results so the market is now feeding off of what amazon is doing in the space what walmart may counter in the space and it's a tit for tat who can outperform who in terms of within the minute delivery which is like it's feeding this frenzy so Back onto that, the notion that, of, that has right, no rational, no basis rational basis to it. There right? exists, yes. So then along comes a company like Instacart, mm-hmm. and suddenly now sweetens the pot with, we'll cover the labor. That whole entire solution comes with a significant amount of risk. Right. Right. So if I look at their roster of retailers, that is, there are some that have been excessively smart who have fenced them off, mm-hmm. meaning. You know, if our customers want the convenience delivery, great. They can click, click here. They'll go to your marketplace, blah, blah, blah. They'll pay a premium, whether it's a delivery fee and the arrangement, the contractual arrangements that they will have with them with respect to the markup. Fine. There are those that haven't. 
And so what they have done is not only co-opted their brand, mm-hmm. but worse than that, they've become a wholesaler. The retailer has. The retailer has become yeah. a wholesaler. So, and I've had these conversations with some extremely powerful large retailers mm-hmm. and, you know, they go, what's well, great for us. They cover the labor and so on. And then I, I'll ask a very simple question. So let me ask you a question. So if you take, for example, if you want to integrate a new piece of technology that could influence what's added to the cart, do you think you could do that? It's not going to happen. They're like, well, we've already asked and we've been told no. Exactly. So now your entire digital strategy, and I hate to say it, but the reality is if we all think that the number of users of web and mobile technology is going to remain constant and not increase, I'm sorry if that's not the truth. It's just, it's the norm now. It's, it's not the history of the web. It's not, um, it's not from, and, from the early 90s to today. Right. And Mark, you said it, the problem now, because you've pushed the pendulum so far into the hands of someone else, how does this now fit into your brick and mortar strategy? Right. Well, it really doesn't at this point. I think 2019 is going to be, I hope, you know, for, for the retailer's sake, it's going to be, they're going to wake up. I'm also wondering if certain solutions like that, if you're a retailer not controlling it and there's a premium attached to it, is a recession proof. Because that, as we have talked about internally and yeah. you know, you published a, a blog on it, it's not a matter of if, it's just a question of when the next downturn comes. Well, absolutely. And which retailers are prepared for that and which ones Correct. Are not. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in this space. And I think, you know, the notion of hyper delivery, I think there was a new entrant today that kind of said Postmates. Yeah. Postmates now is getting wide 134 markets delivering food. Mm -hmm. So now we have shipped, we have Instacart, we have DoorDash, DoorDash. Postmates, Postmates. And we also know that Delivco, Delivco, we have Uber. Yeah. Who's made. Uh, we are now coming back into the grocery market. And it's, you know, surprising enough and kudos to them. They're the ones that kind of said they decided to pull out of the Wrigley's, the Walmart pilots. And I get why they want to get in. It just makes sense. I mean, I commented on this in Progressive Grocer and so on. It was picked up is the reality is they have these this main source of revenue. Mm-hmm. They just have to figure out how to manage and handle food. Right, it's not akin to who they are, other other than Uber Eats, which has been very successful with mm-hmm. a small food service establishment. They've been great. I mean, I've used them here in Toronto, mm-hmm. and they've been amazing at it. They've been great, and they made that jump acquisition, which will allow them to have urban delivery on bicycle yeah. with refrigerated packages. And it's kind of like everyone's trying to crack this nut on mm-hmm. delivery, and I'm wondering. Part of me wonders if this is a frenzy. You know, this reminds me of the telecom years, right? Mm-hmm. It's a frenzy of let's build something and let's hope someone buys us. Right. Because the amount of capital that's being raised on the multiples that are being discussed today makes there's no rhyme or reason to it. Is there yeah. a market for delivery? Yes. A hundred percent. There's a market for delivery. Is it, is it the entire grocery shopping market? No. No, it's not. Like Even when we mine our own data, regardless if it's delivery or not or pickup or not, there's a range of products that the consumers mentally have not accepted to have someone else touch. Right. Right. 
And I think that's part of the secret sauce when you own your own brand and you have your own employees being the personal shoppers. There's the ability to create a stronger affinity to who you are and your essence as a, as a retailer when it's your people that are chatting with your consumer and saying, hey, you know, the phone call. Hey, Mr. Smith, I know that you wanted this product. Unfortunately, we're out of stock I'd like to recommend this product. I think it would really complement uh, your family because they start to know them intimately. That just completely gets lost. You know, you just get a text message like, hey, this is out of stock. What do you want? Here's my recommendation. It's, it's an impersonal um, experience. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I think of the of some of the, um, we talked about this on, on the last podcast when I was complimenting Vince's markets north of the city, how they brought in these European brands and, and they have people on site. There's an emotional affinity to when and part of the experience, right? You're feeling a deep connection with the person that's kind of walking you through the product that they've just made. Is that sustainable in, at a large scale? I think Sprouts Farmers Market does it quite well. Uh, especially if you go in the vitamin section. And I think a lot of retailers could take, you know, that as a big piece of learning in terms of what's happening. And I think that when it comes to commerce, it's not all about user interface, mobile, kind of that thing. There's still an organic process to it because we're feeding our families. And that's a good point you make because it's not technology replacing the consumer experience. It's about augmenting and enhancing. Yeah, don't tell a VC that. No. You know what I you know what I mean, yeah. right? It's yeah. it's 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 augmenting, it's enhancing, yeah. right? It's not replacing and and that's the unfortunate thing when we're technologists, right? Because we're trying to re- remove the human side of it. But the reality when it comes to anything, I've always said there are two industries that are very difficult for technology to to kind of do anything substantive. Retail, specifically apparel and food. Now, and I'll touch both of those. The second was medical, mm-hmm. right? So even with me, with when I go to the doctor and they, they you know, they, I go to a specialty doctor here in Canada, my medical records are online, they're electronic, it's centralized, I can review this stuff. There's a certain coldness to that because I want to talk to the doctor because I have a high EQ and I'm not patting myself on the back. I want to see her like her reactions mm-hmm. and stuff. So I like when I think of technology, in the field of the medical industry, it's an enhancement to the patient, enhancement to who, the practitioner. When I think of food in retail, it's very much an enhancement. Save me time on the things that are laborious, building a shopping list, building a basket. Mm-hmm. Teach me how to, to nourish myself better than what I think I can do today. Connect me with an individual that is going to help me achieve those things. Give me convenience and tailor it to me. So that's where I see technology play the, the realm. But I don't want to lose touch with my favorite brands. So there are certain Canadian retailers. I won't even drive by a store. <laughs> I avoid it. My fear is like when I go in, they're unionized. So I go in. I have to bag my own groceries. So I go with a massive order through self-checkout. The produce is rotting. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's this negativity and I don't care how much technology you throw at me. I'm not going to come back. Like, I just don't get it. That's why I prefer going to a retailer like Longo's. They're smaller. Or or Vince's. Or Vince's. They're smaller. They care about the quality of the product that they're putting on their store shelves. I can talk to someone. 
yada, yada. And I think majority of the consumers are like this. And when I hate when people say, well, millennials, I'm like, well, you had mentioned because it's apparel right. and food. It's, it's those products that are uh, right. most intimate to someone's persona. Right. And so when I look at the realm of apparel, right? So if you guys want to win at apparel, figure out how to do better. I can tell you Amazon sucks at apparel. So I've tried to buy jeans, dress shirts, socks, whatever, and it's never correct. I, I bought shoes. It's never bang on. And most people are very self-conscious of their bodies. There is nothing worse when that is in the back of your mind and you get a garment from an Amazon that just doesn't complement your figure or doesn't fit. And I have a stack of dress shirts at home from Amazon that I'm like, I'm actually not going to return them. They're going to Goodwill. Really? Right? So when I think of technology in that space, I like the notion of using a website and clicking on it or a mobile application in the space of apparel just doesn't work for me. Likely doesn't work for the majority of consumers. And now I understand why Amazon releases these cameras right. that does all this stuff because they have an issue to solve because they know that their core website that is so tight to intellectual property, that's why the Amazon user interface hasn't been enhanced. Now I remember in our hardware days when we were building a computer for a shopping cart and we we're layering in AI. Mm -hmm. When I was doing patent infringement studies as well as circumvention studies um, and non-infringement studies, I had a stack of 200 patents. 50% were methodology patents from Amazon and we're like, well, I guess we can't do that. But what we learned, and I predicted this many years ago, they're not gonna evolve their UI. Have they? When was the last time you saw a major UI change from Amazon? At least on the front end, architecturally, it's been the same for as long as I can remember. Exactly. There's a reason for that. So, I mean, so that's where the, the industry is going. So I think this whole notion of consumers demanding delivery is hyperinflated. In our research, what we did prove. So when you stratify the United States into three quadrants, mm -hmm. the East Coast, Middle America, and that's not a bad thing, mm -hmm. and the West Coast. There is a stronger demand for in-store pickup in the middle of the United States. And that is, we don't know why that's being, what's driving that. I think a lot of it is weather. And it is the fact that the expansiveness of the geography, people would prefer in some cases to not have stuff delivered. Now, I will counter that, that I have seen on the West, on the East Coast, Delivery is, in certain cases, in rural areas, has far outranked in-store pickup. On the West Coast? Uh, no, on the East Coast. On the East Coast. On the East okay. Coast. And a lot of it, when you look at the makeup of the families, it is will be someone with two-plus mm -hmm. children in the household, and there's a convenience factor, but the premium is pretty excessive. The delivery expectation is not same day. It's two, three days. And anything that we've ever done here and any of the measurements we've done here, right? Because we run these dashboards on mm -hmm. our in our NOC mm -hmm. and we see waves of waves of orders coming in, typically around the when the flyer is released, right? On the West Coast, though, it's a different story. Where delivery seems to be really ingrained in the culture and there's an expectation, a greater expectation for same day. 
when I say greater expectation, I'm not talking about 75% of the population surveyed. I'm talking about less than 40% that appreciate more same day. And that is relegated to maybe two or three cities on the West Coast, predominantly San Francisco, the San Francisco market. So, yeah, LA so market. you, you got to wonder how much of this is influenced by geography, congestion. Um, uh, 100%. I, Families uh, are strapped for time. I was in San Francisco, mm-hmm. right? And I go to San Francisco at least. I've been Once there. Once a year at least, right? Well, the last little while, four times, and I have another mm-hmm. another trip coming up for a bunch of partner negotiations. And I can see why that would be the case. I mean, the, the volume of traffic is insane, right? And the notion of this flexibility, this on-demand kind of notion is, is critical in that is critical in that market but that's not representative of it's not representative of the, the remaining population in the United States it's certainly not representative of our own Canadian landscape no, no. right kudos to Loblaws because they've maintained control this is where they're smart right Loblaws Digital uses uh, Sapient Nitro for a lot of their front end stuff much like Kroger does as well mm-hmm. and so they've controlled their cart they have their PC Express trucks and they supplement along those lines with the Instacart. There are some cases, I can't think of a case where I need groceries and I'm prepared to pay a premium, like I need something right away. That's kind of odd. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this materializes in the next little while. So going back to what we talked about off the top, which is a, what does 2019 look like? I think at grocery shop, there will be a lot of presentations, a lot of chatter about the trends that are shaping the market and, and the industry. So we look forward to being able yeah. to talk about that when uh, when we return. Yeah, perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. And uh, don't forget to look out for our next episode sometime soon. Mm-hmm.